Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Wealth Tech Show. Today, we're going to talk about financial advisor tech stacks. So essentially, if you're a financial advisor, uh, what technology should you be using at your firm? And if you're not a financial advisor, hopefully this gives you an overview of how advisors are making use of technology, or in some cases, perhaps not, um, in order to help you meet your financial goals. So I'm joined by Kathy Harrison, CEO of The Verve Group. Kathy, thank you for joining us. Hi, very welcome. Great to have you. Some scene setting. We've got a roundtable debate <laughs> in the studio after this. And, and Kathy is sat about five feet from me on the other side of a massive table. So, I, You're I, a dot I, to me, Ian. Yeah, dot. It, <laughs> <laughs> it's as well we're both loud, but um, it's, it's an unusual setup. But hey, I'm sure we'll be fine. I, uh, anyway, Ka- Kathy, I, I know you a bit, obviously. But um, for those who don't know you, uh, could you tell us a bit about yourself? And, and also, you know, give us an insight into what you know about the financial advice market? Oh, nothing. Um, okay, so I, I'm yeah the CEO of the Verve Group. The Verve Group comprises currently four companies. Um, so Verve, Parasols, which is an outsourced power planning company, which I started 13 years ago. Um, Apricity, which is a compliance company, which has some tech within it and is kind of currently the techiest part of the group, which I launched in 2018. And then there's the Art of Finance, which is the training arm, and Verve, which actually pulls it all together. Um, and the aim of the Verve group is that we work with financial advisors all around the country, all different shapes and sizes, and just they can basically plug and play into their business whatever support they need from us um, with and without tech. So in terms of what I know about the financial advice market, I got into financial services straight from uni, which was uh, 17 years ago. Um working in advice firms initially until I went freelance as a power planner so do know advisors and advice firms fairly well yeah I love that your initial answer was nothing no that is, <laughs> 17 know, years of nothing you know it's a British <laughs> podcast when the answers are no nothing I don't really know much no no <laughs> <laughs> anyway one of the things I want to talk to you about today is that you mentioned Apristy having being the more kind of techie part of your business and I understand you've decided to give away some of your tech for free mm-hmm. C- could you explain why you've done that and, and also what tech it is yeah absolutely so the aim of the Apricity was um when I first came up with the idea, I was thinking about compliance and the frustrations that our clients um, in Parasols at the time had with their compliance providers. It was exactly the same when I worked in advice firms. It was very much this negative perception of, oh, you know, so-and-so from the compliance firm that may shall not be named is coming in on Friday so nobody can have client meetings and we all have to be around and show them our files and get hit over the head. And it just... nothing had moved on so kind of by 2016 when I was thinking about it nothing had changed so I wanted to launch a compliance company that advisors felt was there for them was on their side and would support them but also there was no technology being used it was literally let's look at spreadsheets let's look at paper-based files let's drive out to offices um, which felt bonkers so when we launched Apricity we built some compliance technology um, to help advisors have a system that they can log into on a morning where they can just get complete oversight of their their compliance and the regulation in their firm and what their advisors are doing and how up-to-date everything was, Um, which sounds simpler than actually was to build, as I've discovered with tech. It's never that straightforward. But again, the aim of it was not just to launch a business for the sake of it, but to get advisors thinking about compliance in a completely different way. And I think the firms we've started working with, that's happening. 
Um, but it just still feels like a drop in the ocean and it still feels like there's this huge, there's lots of movements needed in finance, there's movements needed with tech, there's movements needed to deal with the advice gap, to get new talent in. Um, and then also compliance, I do think it's one of the areas that we need a massive mindset change and just wasn't happening quickly enough. So um, yeah, we decided to give the tech away essentially for free. It's a pound a month so that you can actually be subscribed yeah. to it. Um, but just as a way of advisors and advice firms, you know, maybe logging into it, maybe thinking, oh, actually, it's not that hard to get a handle on the regulatory needs for my firm. And actually, if I feel that way, I might sleep a bit better at night. I might be able to focus more on the business, more on my clients. Um, and yeah, and just kind of try and start making that, that overarching shift that we were always hoping for. Yeah, and I, and I assume, just to, just with my kind of journalism hat on here, you get people into the system for, for a pound a month. And the idea is that you know, if they like the technology, they'll stick with it, right? That's, yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's, as with everything, there's other stuff, once they're in there, they might decide they want to come to some of our events or they might decide they want to use us to do file checks or anything like that. Um, but it's obviously, all of that's completely optional and it just means, I find with compliance, it's a bit like, you, as an advice firm, you'll have your chosen platforms that you work with and even if you saw another platform provider that you thought could potentially be a bit shinier or a bit better, it's such a fundamental underpin to your business. It's not easy to make that change. And it's the same with compliance. Um, you know, if you've been working with a compliance provider for 10, 15, 20 years, it's hard to make a shift to a different one. Um, I didn't want people to lose out the benefits of having that, that positive impact and that control of their own compliance for that reason. So actually you can stick with your compliance provider, but you can just use the tech to help. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you, you talk about compliance and using technology and people perhaps not doing that enough. I guess with compliance, people are concerned that they'll get something wrong, won't they? And as much as automation gives a, a guarantee of a, you know repeatability, there is something quite scary about trusting tech tools to do your compliance for you, right? Um, how much can you actually automate of the process? Um, well, the stuff that it's automating is the stuff that at the minute you're trusting your calendar or your Google spreadsheet to do anyway. So it's in that respect, it's not that different. What you've got is instead of all of my advisors and their training needs over here and reminds my PI over here or which policies need updating over here. It's all in one place and the system will proactively say to advisors, this is coming up, so be prepared for it and have it on your radar. So they're all doing it anyway. They're just all doing it very manually and it's just a way of, it's that kind of sleeping at night, not waking up thinking, I need to proactively go and dig around and see what's coming up regulatory-wise in the next month. The system's going to tell me. I think in terms of the advice process, absolutely, that's not to be automated. There's a process that should be followed um, and that'll, that process should be personal to that firm but then should be consistent across all clients but again you can use a new business checklist or a spreadsheet or a piece of technology they're all going to do the same thing just some of them are a bit nicer to use yeah I think it's the, the, the key thing here is technology can be quite scary can't it but I think for people like you and I who write about it, talk about it, work it, work in that kind of sector, you realise that it's as you say, it's just automating a calendar yeah, yeah, yeah. update or something straightforward. So I think the message there for someone who's worried about the compliance is actually you're doing it anyway. Yeah, I'm just make it easier for yourself. There you go. I didn't even have to finish my sentence. <laughs> that should have been my strap line. <laughs> yeah, very nicely done. Um, well, an another thing here is um, you know you you speak to a lot of advisors about their tech stacks. And I'd like to know what you're hearing right now. You know, what are the big talking points in the market right now about advisor tech? Um, I think there's been, I think the talking points in the market right now have been the talking points for at least five years. And that's 
a lot of the frustration with finance. I mean, some of the stuff I hear, I, you know, I was hearing 17 years ago when I came in and you're still hearing it. It's, it is glacially slow at moving sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> do you think there's good um, reason for that? Um, do I? No, I don't. Um, I'm going to contradict myself. I think, I think the thing with finance, it, it exists in its own world, in its own bubble. And I think that's because of what it is and who the end clients are. And it's because of that personal nature and that relationship that we have and advisors have with their clients. So I think um, any change to that bubble, you you know, it needs to be driven by the clients, not by what we want or what, you know, mm -hmm. new people coming into the industry want to see. And I've maintained for a long time that until society changes in the way that people are educated around finance from school mm -hmm. growing up, then what we do can't markedly change because, you know, it's my robot advice didn't kind of have the traction that some firms hoped it would because people are sat, you're really smart, well-qualified, educated people with really senior jobs. And when you say the word pension to them, it bounces yeah. off them. You know, there's absolutely no recognition. So all the tech in the world can't replace that. So I think... Yes, there is a reason for some of the slowness because we can't evolve faster than society. But that doesn't mean it needs to be as slow as it has been. Yeah, yeah, understood. <laughs> There's extremes. Because I think one of the challenges ad advice companies have, especially with younger clients, is that a lot, lot of people now are used to getting all sorts of tech with their bank account, for instance. Say they're using a challenger bank or or even general saving and investing apps. You know, what you can do on an investing app now is quite straightforward and you can get access to the market very quickly, whereas advisors obviously can't do that. Mm. You know, what, what, what do you think advisors need to do about this? Is it, is it simply about getting the message out that actually there's a reason why these things take time and advice, or do you think we actually need to speed up? Um, a bit of both, I think. It's, um, so I literally was playing around last week with an app for investing in wine. Wow. Um, I have two, <laughs> two passions in life, finance, obviously, <laughs> and wine. Um, and the ease with which you literally picked um, cautious, balanced, adventurous, minimum of 10 grand investment. Um, you had two options for your time frame, three to seven years or seven years plus, And that was it. It gave you a lovely pie chart. It gave you a list of the bottles that you would purchase. And you could hit up send and put in your bank details and invest 10 grand. And it was 60 seconds. And it's terrifying. And obviously it's because it's unregulated and it's just a completely different world. But it was a reminder of how far of the opposite extreme we are in financial services. I think there's, again, you know, until that kind of education piece is out there and um, things are working different, absolutely there's more to be done by us as a profession to be telling people about the benefits of advice. But the, you know, the stuff that we're reading, or I'm reading recently, around advisors worried about their profitability and how they're gonna manage it and all these rising costs and all of these pressures, because society is not going to change that fast, because regulation's not going away, you have to look at what other options are available and that's got to be making your business more efficient and that's got to be through tech. So, it's, you know, it's a means to an end. It's not that tech's everything that you should be striving for, but if you want to run a profitable business, do a good job for your clients, sleep at night because you know you're doing the right thing, that tech piece absolutely has to happen. However, whether all the tech's there right now for advisors is a different matter. Yeah, that's the thing, because there are so many tech options and it takes a lot of time and research to sift through and, and know what you're going to pick or even what's right for your company. Because, yeah. you know, advice firms are also different. What advice would you have for someone who is actually trying to make sense of the advisor tech world? 
Um, oh, firstly, don't. Don't try and make sense because <laughs> there is none. <laughs> I think, I mean, one of my beliefs is very much the shift in advice firms away from just seeing themselves as advice firms to seeing themselves uh, themselves as businesses that happen to give advice. So I would, if I was starting a new advice firm, I wouldn't dive straight into all the traditional bits of advice tech that are currently available. I would step back and look at how I'm running a business overall, my operations, my sales, my marketing, my HR, everything like that. The end piece will be your clients and the service that you want to give to them. But I would definitely come at it from a business perspective because there's a lot of tech that's out there that isn't pitched at advisors, but is still very, very useful within any business, regardless of whether or not you give advice. But I think I think the next sort of five years is going to be really interesting in advisor tech. I think the 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 tech that's been around for 15 or 20 years and it was built for a pre-RDR world it's so, and I've learned this with Apricity, Apricity's only, well, not even five years old as a piece of tech. And making any changes to it is so difficult. You just, the level of impact that things have and kind of trying to forward plan it, and it's a relatively small piece of technology. So if we think that sweeping changes are needed and we're expecting that to come from massive pieces of tech that have existed for 20 years, it's not going to happen. It's just physically impossible. But what there is at the minute is a lot of new incumbents coming out, a lot of new, um, and from a range of angles, you've got advisors that are trying to build their own tech, you've got other providers that are in the tech space and advisor space that are trying to build them. And I think that's what's going to make the next five years interesting when we just see a completely different approach um, from lots of different angles and then kind of see where the, the pendulum ends up settling. Interesting stuff. And and let's look at market activity in the advice market, because right now we're seeing, uh, it seems to be a constant with mer- mergers and acquisitions, but we are seeing a fair amount of, of vertical in- integration in the market. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I won't pass judgment on that, Kathy, but obviously that's that, that's not, well, you've said boo. So, so, talk, 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 so talk, talk me through your thoughts on that, because, you know, that's going to have an impact on on tech if i'm being nice i'm going to say that means you've got bigger resources and a chance to do something that's more uniform which is possibly more scalable Mm. and then i guess the the kind of classic arguments against is that you get a very impersonal service cookie cutter one size fits all but isn't right for a lot of clients yeah exactly that yeah i think for me personally and therefore for verve what i'm passionate about and what I really believe is that there are millions and millions of people in the UK right now and in future that need financial advice and they're all individuals and they're all unique they've all got their own needs and absolutely you know you can kind of get some sweeping generalizations on humans um but I don't I would be really sad if we ended up with, you know, five large vertically integrated providers doing the vast majority of advice because I think we'd be missing an opportunity to have the kind of impact that I see the smaller advice firms having with their clients. I see the relationships that they build. I see the difference financial planning makes versus, you know, whacking somebody's pension onto a platform to take some ongoing fees from it. And for as long as we've got Verve, our focus will be on trying to support 
those firms. So whether they are, you know, a one-man band or they've got 100 advisors, if what they're doing is trying to give bespoke advice to clients and really help support them and give the clients a massive range of options, then, you know, that's the stuff that I would absolutely always support personally. Um, hence doing the vertical integration. Absolutely, it's going to happen and it's happened before and it'll happen again in future. We, you know, we just live in this big cycle in finance. But I think what's interesting in tech is exactly that. When I've watched when I've watched firms try and get involved in anything to do with advise, advising, um, including tech, if they haven't closely worked with advisors or been an advisor, they don't fully understand the nuances of advising. And it is such a weird industry in that way. And I love the weirdness of it. But it is what makes, you know, if people say you're worried that Amazon's going to swoop in and do this brand new piece of tech. No, because unless they've got a whole army of advisors who properly get how it works and how clients work, then no, they're not. But you kind of need this knowledge of being an advisor with the deep pockets that's needed for tech because it is flipping expensive. <laughs> yeah, it's it interesting because the Amazon example comes up quite a lot and we talked about it a few times on the podcast. And at the same time, yeah, the, the UK financial advisors operate in the high, you know, high net worth or ultra high net worth space. It's a, usually a fairly bespoke service. Hmm. I don't think they need to. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> is that is that no? Am I being nice? Am I being too nice to the advice I, market? I think I think I don't think the bespoke service or the way of working with clients comes down to them being ultra or high net worth. I think it comes down to the firm. I think some firms genuinely. They, they could tell you every name, every single name of every single client, and they could tell you everything about that client, and they would know them inside out. And even when they're smaller firms, I was mentoring one last week, they know exactly what it takes for them to um, be able to profitably service a client. It's a small advice firm, husband and wife, that's it, no, no team. Um, and they work with clients that they really like, even if they're lower value, they're not looking for high net worth, but they want to work with those people and help them through their lives and help them build a future versus sometimes when you go ultra high net worth, actually what you're getting is it's still a cookie cutter approach. They've just badged it up a bit fancier and done some kind of more expensive DFM underneath it. But I do think in terms of the tech piece, almost your nirvana is that, that small advisor, bespoke, in-depth knowledge, but with the deep pockets that comes from your, your huge firms. And I, I don't think right now there's anything that exists within that Venn that exists within kind of the, the middle of the two. So it'll just be interesting to see what comes out. Yeah, and and let's look at tech, well, enthusiasm for tech, because uh, some advisors, I, I think they hear about technology and they don't really, well, it, like I say, it can be quite concerning for people or they don't want to know much about it. But uh, the, the Schroeder's advisor survey, which came out at the end of last year, uh, it said that 9% of advisors judged tech to be their biggest concern for 2021. Now that contrasts with 5% in 2020. So right. you've gone from you know one in 20 to almost one in 10 viewing tech as their biggest you know issue right now. Now, obviously there's been a pandemic. I mean, there had been a pandemic by the end of 2020 as well. But do you think the last couple of years have given people a real uh, you know reason to start yeah, actually, actually, is it just the pandemic? Do you think it's just the pandemic that's done that or is it something else? Um, I definitely think it'll have had an impact. It kind of accelerated a lot of development in a lot of areas across all industries. But it's a bit of a mix of things. You know, it's, it's what we were saying earlier. It's the additional price increase and fees and regulatory pressures where 
you know, firms are starting to look at, okay, how am I? And previously, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with this, a lot of advice firms were run as lifestyle businesses. And, you know, I personally don't have a lifestyle, so I wouldn't know what it feels like. <laughs> I just sure, work. That's not true. <laughs> um, but, you know, that was genuinely the case. So actually, there wasn't an overarching or a desperate need to look at efficiencies and tech and what else we can do. But in reality, as these pressures have increased, as the market's changing, as you know, you were saying, your clients will be saying, well, actually, I've got my, I don't know, Monzo app on my phone. Why do I need to go through you to go through another system to go to a platform to see where my pension is? And so the, the pressures are kind of, they're going to come from the client side. And I think, again, where kind of a couple of pieces of tech dotted around might have sufficed previously, the challenge now, and this is what I'd start to say, you know, has been the case for at least five years, is that lack of integration. And everybody talks about it, so I don't want to um, just repeat what everybody knows. But, you know, again, from the client experience, how are they interacting with you? And does it involve them logging into three separate pieces of tech or having a particular secure email or whatever it might be? Like, how are you making their journey easier? So I can see, and that's even before you look internally, how are we making this business work in a, a really efficient way where we know what's happening as well so that we were also kind of regulatory sound um so yeah i can absolutely see why that pressure has increased and why advisors are worried about it more and i don't think in that time frame anything new has come along yet that will really kind of allay those fears yeah do you think the need to modernize might actually drive some of that m a activity that we're seeing I just the M and A activity is just flipping bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> is you know my professional opinion on it. <laughs> um, it feels a bit just yeah you know when things you know when you can just see bubbles happening in the property market or whatever and you can kind of watch it and just think well that just feels a bit crazy and if everybody's getting too excited and you know we saw the Bruin Dolphin one last week and we saw like the sixty two times sixty two percent increase and you just think. At some point, something's not going to add up and is it just going to pop? So whether the modernization's an impact on it or not, whether there's something else going on. Yeah. And, and where do you think the advice market is going to end up going? Because obviously you say things are cyclical and, mm. and I think you're right. You get these big acquisitions and then immediately a load of people create their own independent companies yeah, again. Yeah. Do you think we're just going to be continuing in yeah. that cycle? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like having a crystal ball, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's like the whole, literally with the whole mortgage thing where, you know, I was one of the idiots who got 125% mortgage back in 2007. And then the market tightened up and everybody was like, I can't believe they gave mortgages away like that. And it's already back, it, not necessarily the 125%, but the loosening on it. And, you know, it's all going to go pop and then it'll tighten up again. And you can just kind of sit and watch it happen. And exactly that. I think, you know, there'll be a lot of firms, there'll be a lot of consolidation and you do then get those kind of entrepreneurial people who think this is my chance to go and do my own thing. And actually, we know the average age of the advisor is declining again, not kind of, you know, rapidly, but it is. Um, I saw earlier there's, you know, there's 4,000 advisors who are under 30 already mm. in the UK. So actually, you know, you've got a wave of people who are just going to be far more chomping at the bit to get started and to do their own thing. So, yeah, I do yeah. I think it'll go full circle. I'd like to see it go full circle. Yeah, and that, that may actually contribute to technology being more important for firms, those, exactly. those figures from Schroeder's. Um, so when we, when we talk about advisors making use of technology, how much of the issue do you think is the technology and how much of the issue is actually the advisors using it? 
Um, do you know what? There was um, there was a survey, wasn't there, last week with, um, I think it was Next Wealth, and um, they'd said, I think there, there was three kind of key issues to technology, um, or the adoption or getting kind of good use out of technology, and the top issue was actually learning to use it and having the time to learn to use it, and... We all know what it's like when there's something new put in. If it's not really intuitive and you haven't... And, I mean, again, the tech that's built in 2021 versus the tech that was built in 2001, the user experience and the way that you can now pick up a brand new app or a brand new technology and it's as if you've been taught to use it because it's designed to feel that way, whereas a lot of the clunky legacy systems of your um, from financial services, they weren't built that way. They were built for the data... And, you know, we, in kind of previous um, lives in previous firms I worked in, we'd sit through really, really lengthy training sessions. And, you know, some of the techs have dozens, hundreds of videos teaching you how to use the system. And if you need that. <laughs> yeah, I can see that being problematic for sure. So I do think there's a, there's a bit of both. And I was chatting to um, Peter, who's our CTO, about it. And, you know, how much of it is exactly that? Is it kind of down to the advisors and saying, well, you're paying for this system anyway, and there's that classic, isn't there? I pay blah pounds per month for this system, but I only use 10% of it. Well, you know, maybe you should be using 100%. Is that on you? Um, but, yeah, Peter's view was absolutely not. It's on the tech providers, whether existing or new, to make that experience easier. That is the whole point of tech. It shouldn't be that you need to do a, you know, seven-week course to be able to use the tech. It, it absolutely should be um, there. I would say... If you're an advisor or in an advice firm and you are paying for the tech, yeah, absolutely. Roll your sleeves up, get stuck in. Even if the training's dull, make the most of it because it's there. But for any new stuff coming out, the the you know the user experience should be very intuitive. Yeah. Do you know of any resources out there for advisors to, to learn more about how to use and integrate tech? Um, I don't, well, no, because I guess, and again, this is the whole issue with the integrations in financial services is that each piece of technology was never built with integrations in mind. That's been a bolt on that's come afterwards. So in the same way, there's not a central resource because each piece of technology, you need to go to that and, you know, you can go to FE, have its own academy for its software, Intelliflow have its own academy for its software. And that's great. They're trying their best to help educate advisors to get the most out of it. But again, it means that you need to look at your tech stack and go and see what resource there is for that stack rather than anything that's going to broadly help. Yeah, I, th I think you're right. There are definitely two sides to this. But I think the key message has got to be that using tech and using it properly is a good thing for your business. I mean, the IntelliFlow Advisor Index research is well worth a look for how right. it differentiates between you know, people who are just starting to adopt tech and people that have properly integrated it into their business. I mean, what one such stat from that is the most tech-enabled firms are receiving 33% more repeat business than their peers, which is, you know, <laughs> that says all that you need to know. I wonder if that's the fact <laughs> oh, okay. or if it's because you can track it better because actually you know that's part of the issue with not having that tech you haven't got the data and when I started Parasol 13 years ago I didn't embed anything in the business for me to track data so I had absolutely none of this knowledge I didn't know where my referrals came from I couldn't tell you what my clients were doing in the past and if you that's the other thing around embracing technology in your firm it will give you that data and it will give you powerful insights like that and you might have higher or lower referral rates than you even realise but actually until you have got a way of tracking it and knowing what your clients are doing then yeah. you'll never know yeah yeah tech, tech is great like that but I, I do hope that advisors would recognize a repeat client you would you would think in this industry yeah true yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
But you never know. You, you, know, you never know. Post-COVID, we all look a little yeah. bit older. It's not as easy to tell. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right. So, Kathy, I, I think that's pretty much it. That's pretty much all the topics covered. But do you have any kind of parting shots or any kind of parting thoughts to share with Adding us? Parting shots? Me? No, no, I don't <laughs> think so. The, the other thing we were chatting about around technology is, um, again, it came from the next role thing, that kind of the third most popular reason for advisors not fully embracing tech was that they didn't feel at that time that their clients were demanding it. Um, and again, the conversation we had internally is, do you need to wait for clients to demand something yeah. before you do it? Or do you want to be ahead of the curve? Do you want to be giving them a great experience? And, you know, that's the whole thing with finance. People don't know what they don't know, and it's why they come to see an advisor in the first place. So, yeah, absolutely. I think my my advice to advisors would be to keep embracing technology to get the most out of the stuff that you've got but to keep considering tech across the whole of the business not just the fact that you're an advice business um, and one of the nice things around advisors is the community that they've got so keep kind of sharing sharing ideas keep um providing feedback there's a lot of user groups and a lot of companies that are asking for advisor inputs i think there's lots that want to help advisors crack this market. Everybody knows it isn't working as well as it should. So, you know, hopefully a collaborative approach will just benefit everybody within finance, but also the end client. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with your point on on looking to the future rather than waiting for someone to turn up with a solution for you. I think people tend to vote with their feet in a very different way when they find something else they want that you're Certainly. not doing. So, um, look, Kathy, thank you so much for joining us You're again. You're very welcome. Great to see you. And for everyone listening, this has been The Wealth Tech Show. I'm Ian Horn, and I'll see you all next week. Bye for now. Thank <laughs> you.